Hey, good evening. Good to see everybody. The Michigan people are here. Hey, hey, hey. But actually, they came from down south to visit us this week. All the way down into hillbilly country, and they're back up north, and it's still hillbilly country to them. Because even my voice sounds like hillbilly language to those northeasterners. That's that's what I've been told. And uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Some northeasterner. <laughs> that sounds like an eastern accent you have there, man. <laughs> um, anyway, we are down to the last two weeks. You know that? Two more weeks left in the fall sessions. And you'll notice as long as we keep saying fall, we have 70, 60 degree weather. But the minute we tell that it is the winter sessions, you know what's going to happen. So we could rename the next session that starts in January the spring sessions and see what happens. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, we've had a great fall. (laughs) But um, anyway, uh, one more week after this, and then we have that, uh, that break, the December break, and Lord willing, we'll um, be back in January. So uh, be praying about that. And uh, we'll probably still be in Ephesians because I don't see that we will finish that up uh, in the next two weeks. What do you think? <laughs> Actually, I had planned to take it up through verse 16 and then start the new session where there is a, uh, a break and start on verse 17. So, Next week, we might be where we're at. We might be into that section, or we might just do something special. So, we'll find out what the Lord has in mind. Uh, Anyway, we have seen that in verse 14 that we are no longer to be children. You can't remain a child when you're a Christian, and uh, even physically. We, We can't remain as children. How terrible that would be if people stayed being babies. But unfortunately, in the Christian uh, life, sometimes some people remain in that, and Paul says we're no longer to be that way. And he's saying we are to grow up, we are to grow up together. And Paul is looking this, showing that um, all of this is supposed to be a composite, one big unity. And so he's not just talking individually. As we grow individually, we know the church grows, but he's saying the church should be growing together so that the entire body may uh, be more mature. When you look at uh, some things in the church today, you really wonder how mature it is. But God has a perfect church. Um, We're not perfect, but His church is uh, right on time, right on schedule. He's doing what He knows uh, and has uh, already ordained. But, you know, he has been talking about in verse 15 and also 14, whenever people are being carried about by every wind and doctrine, false theology and all sorts of things uh, out there that's um, classifying itself as Christian, we have to be really careful about that. Uh, we want to make sure to counter that. And we do it with doctrine, and that entails knowledge. 
but there's no value in intellectual knowledge that doesn't lead to love. And that's why we would say in verse 15, as we started to look at last week, but speaking the truth in love, there you have the truth and love wedded together. They are a combination there. Um, Our works would be useless if we just had intelligence and no love. If it doesn't produce love, then it's absolutely worthless. And you remember 1 Corinthians 13, without love, we're just uh, clanging cymbals, right? We're just ringing uh, in the wind and not having any value to it. So that's why uh, speaking the truth in love is so key. As we grow up in all things, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank You for... Again, another great day that you've given us. And all things that uh, we have, we want to say thank you as we think about this week, as we think about Thanksgiving. And, of course, it's every day that we should be giving thanks, always giving thanks, because we recognize we in ourselves really uh, have nothing. We depend upon you totally. And that's exactly what and where you want us to be. And as we look at this passage tonight... We uh, see this great body and the great plan that you have for it, and uh, we are to be growing together. And thank you for this particular study where we uh, are growing together because of your word, because of your spirit, and may we be able to be the salt and light, and we are totally dependent upon you to do that. Thank you for what you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I just gave your sheets out. They're the exact sheets that we had last week. I don't ordinarily ordinarily do that. I usually change them up even if it's the same text where we have been. But I got lazy last night and didn't do any typing. And uh, uh, there really wasn't anything else I was going to add, so that's basically it. But it's number six and seven, I guess, is uh, where we're at. We were talking about truth last week and creeds and confessions and those things are very important because it gives us a summation of what the body of faith is about. uh, The truth that um, God has given us. Uh, The future of the church was at stake in the early days. And uh, we pointed out that uh, it's it's very key whether it be for the deity of Christ, whether it be for the Trinity, whether it be the authority of Scripture. Um, You think in the Reformation they had to recover those vital elements. Sola Scriptura. Sola Christus, uh, faith alone, grace alone. Uh, what's the other one? On this one, um, glory to God alone, right? And uh, all of those elements are kind of that same thing. In um, in 15, after he's saying, don't be carried about by all those women doctrines, we want to speak the truth, and speak deals with not only something that comes out of our mouth, but it also relates to our our actions, our, our lifestyle even. Even extended out even more than just saying something, but it's letting our life speak also. Speak uh, or truth. Truthing in love is that action word. Truthing in love. Uh, if we look at Paul, and we're going to here for uh, a little bit, as he mentions this, truth, and love. Let's take a look at what he's saying in other places. He said a prayer in chapter 3, verse 17. He's talking about their inner man to be strengthened. He says that Christ 
may dwell on your hearts. You remember when we studied that? It's make Himself at home. That He can really make Himself really at home in your heart through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the what love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The uh, love supersedes and it goes beyond what uh, even the knowledge is. It's great to have the knowledge. It has to start with doctrine. It has to start with knowledge. But um, knowing the love of Christ even exceeds that based upon what we have in the truth and in, in the doctrine there. So that's what Paul prays for there in uh, chapter 3. He had a great prayer in chapter 1. Uh, these are tremendous prayers. These are the kind of prayers we should have for each other as we grow up together in the body of Christ. We are accountable to each other. The church is very important because that is, in a sense, and I think it's scriptural, and we'll show it here maybe in a few passages, that this is Christ here on earth. He resides in the individuals and He resides in the whole body of Christ. And so we're uh, representing Him. Uh, his head, uh, as far as that is concerned, is he's in heaven, but his body is here on earth in that sense. Now, go to chapter 4, verse 2, which is the chapter we've been on this whole fall session dealing with unity. And he says in verse 2, after he says, walk worthy of the calling of which you were called, verse 2 says, with all lowliness, gentleness, with long-suffering, and what does he say? Bearing with one another in love. And so Paul starts that out. And then he starts bringing the doctrine of unity, showing where the, it's all based at, founded upon triune God, and then he's given gifts to men in the church to be able to edify the rest of the body who in turn take that and then take it to other people, and we all grow up together. That's kind of the summation of chapter 4. Well, here in verse 2, he says, bearing with one another in love. Okay, Paul again says in chapter 5, 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God. Be imitators. Imitate God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Now that is quite the encouragement for us. But he says we are to imitate God. We are to imitate Him. We could say, okay, Paul is saying some of these things. Hey, I hope some of you can really grow up. Now, he's praying that everybody would grow up and know all the deep riches of Christ. Some people say, well, that's for the pastors and the teachers and the leaders in the church. I'll just do my thing and come to church on Sunday. You know, and read, read the Bible once in a while. Uh, that's not what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that each and every one of us is to know the deep, deep love of Christ. And as we do that, we're connected to Him. We'll connect to others and uh, we'll be growing in, in those kind of aspects. 
here in chapter 5, he says, it's not just Paul. Some say, well, this is Paul. He's saying that, and there's no way that I have to be like Paul because he was especially gifted, and so therefore that's his duty. And of course he wants other people to be that way, but uh, I've got other things I'd rather do anyway. Um, Paul doesn't give us that option. He has said, imitate God. Now, other places he will say, imitate me. Do as I do. If, If he's walking in the path that the Lord wants, then he's saying, okay, I want you to follow me. Whatever I'm doing, you you follow this. That's the way we should be able to say to other disciples, follow me. We don't want around saying, hey, uh, you know what you're supposed to do. Don't do as I do, though. <laughs> we, we should be setting that example. We should be desiring. That's what discipleship is, is that they would be lining up underneath what you believe and what you do. And that's how that's how we grow. So anyway... Paul is saying this whole idea that uh, truth is to be with love. And what we're going to do now, we're going to take a few moments and we're going to look at the life of Paul. We already know. We already know that he was a good example of what love is about, don't we? He wrote much on it and um, he lived it out. You say, okay, but he's an apostle. Dennis, you don't expect me to be like this. Yes. <laughs> Paul is expecting us to be like him. To be even better, to be like who? Christ. You can say, well, I can't be that way. Yes, you can. Don't you ever say it because you're commanded to be that way. Okay, let's look at Paul. <laughs> look in 1 Thessalonians. I can't be that way. Oh, spell Thessalonians. <laughs> How do you spell Thessalonians? <laughs> 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 7-12. through 12. We can uh, outline this, I think, rather easily. Uh, we'll take this in two parts. He was like a mother. He was like a father. And some have even made it three parts. He was like a mother, he was like a brother, and he was like a father. 7-12. through 12. Look at the love that Paul had for these guys. This is love in action right here. But we... And he's talking about the apostles of Christ. See, the ones that are at the end of verse 7, the apostles of Christ. We were gentle among you. That sounds like Christ, doesn't it? Was Christ gentle? Take my yoke. Right? Just as a nursing mother, a nursing mother cherishes her own children. A nursing mother. Ah, I think Rebecca on that one. Right? She really loves that child to give what that child needs. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, that is what they needed and had to have, but what else? Our own lives. Because you had become dear to us. We not only gave you the gospel, that's the best thing you can give to somebody, but then invest your life into them as you have given them the gospel. Well, Paul goes on and says, For you remember, brethren, and here's where we can say, okay, it shifts from the mother now to a brother, a dear brother. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring. You know what kind of Greek words those are? Really working, working, sweating, 
hard. That's that's what Paul says right here. You remember our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. What other thing would they want to give them? That's it, isn't it? Plus their life. You are witnesses, and God also. Now we're going to get into the fatherly aspect. So we've seen the mother, how affectionate she is. and We've seen the brothers. Brothers, they work hard for them. Uh, you are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. That's their actions, the way that they lived it out. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children. A father does that. He'll, he'll exhort, parakaleo, uh, to call alongside, and he will comfort. See the balance there? And he'll charge them. He'll give them commands. Here's what you are to do. A father does those kind of things. A good godly father. The father does his own children. So there we have a mother relationship. We have a brother relationship. And now we have a mother relationship in the space of about six verses. And it tells you how Paul lived his life as he can say, you know, you're witnesses, you saw us. We said one thing and we did that thing. Now there's some people that say one thing, but yet what do they do? They do another thing. Paul says, you know. And that's what we are commanded to be that way too. So what, what's the whole reason? Well, verse 12, that you would walk worthy of God. And, and look at this. Remember, He's the one who calls you into His own kingdom and glory, which we'll have one of these days. We're in that kingdom now, but there's something even better than this, as we'll fully realize it. He wanted them to walk worthy of God. That sounds like in Ephesians, doesn't it? Chapter 4, first couple of verses. He wanted them to walk worthy of their calling. Here, he's saying, we did this like a mother, like a brother, like a father. Pretty well balanced, isn't it? Hey, there you go. Things come in threes a lot. right? <laughs> That's interesting there. That's dealing with a family, a family relationship but with true love. So, interesting. Um, that's the idea that Paul had as far as love is concerned. If you do that and then give truth, then so be it. See what the Lord does. Okay, let's look at Paul again. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Boy, that is convincing, isn't it? They know how Paul lived his life. Did you know people wanted to kill him? <laughs> after, after he had given the gospel. Can you believe that? Uh, it sounds like the Lord, doesn't it? Same thing happened to him. Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. What do we have here? I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Though the more abundantly I love you, <laughs> look at this. The less I am loved. Oh, that's the Corinthian letter. Ooh, that's 2 Corinthians. He had to defend his apostleship to them after he lived this amongst them and yet they turned on him. That's incredible. Bill. So I ask, can I ask a question? Yes. Um, can I have a glass of tea? No. I, we don't have any. Okay. 2 Corinthians was the second letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians. 
Was that in response to a letter that they wrote back to him? There was a letter that we don't have here. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So, that, that was never canonized canon. because that was just written by the elders or whatever, not apostolic writing. Uh, it, they wrote to him, and then, of course, I think they had some questions, and he answered in First Corinthians a lot of their, uh, uh, like from chapter 7 on there. Okay. He answered a lot of the questions they were given. But he had wrote, uh, written a letter... I guess you could call it a lost letter or something, but it wasn't evidently wasn't something that the Lord wanted to be canonized. Good truths, but uh, but then he writes another letter here, and a lot of the reason for this one was because uh, they were doubting his apostleship. There were false apostles who had come in and done deceitful work and claimed to be apostles, and they ran Paul down, which so happens, I believe, so much. Even in our times, I think we can relate to that when somebody has done so much for some people and then they turn on them. Well, that's what happened to Paul. I think it happened to Jesus, and I think it happened to other apostles, and I think it has happened all the way throughout the church. It says you'll be persecuted by your own, even, Jesus said. That's sad, isn't it? Um, but Paul had certainly had love for them. It wasn't that he just came in there and showed his great knowledge that he had because he was as much educated as anybody ever in the history of Judaism. I mean, he could rank with anybody. And he said that was trash. He said knowing Christ is what it was really about. And uh, knowing Christ means you give truth and then you love with everything. So he was spent He'd gladly spend and be spent for their souls. He'd give himself up. He says, I love you abundantly. The more I love you, the more that you hate me. Wow. That must have been some terrible things he had to go through. He's a human too. But he true to love. Philippians. Let's look at Paul again. We're looking at Paul's life on this. And uh, he would tell us that we're to be like that too. And and he's not God, he's just man, filled with God's Spirit. Here he says in Philippians, Yes, and if I'm being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, kind of a little bit of Old Testament analogy there, I'm glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason you also be glad and rejoice with me. He says, I'm being poured out, I'm giving myself up, I'm sacrificing, I'm giving service uh, for your sake, for the faith. So there's Paul to the Philippians. Over and over you'll see that throughout the Gospels. Look in Colossians. Same thing he says to them. He lived this consistent lifestyle that lined up with the truth. Colossians 1, 24-29 I now rejoice in my sufferings. That's hard to say, isn't it? For you and fill up in my flesh, here's this strange verse, I fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of His body, which is the church, of which I became a minister, a servant, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to His saints, 
To them God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That sounds like Ephesians, doesn't it? To this end, here we go, I also labor, striving like a runner, running as hard as he can to get to that finish line and he's stretching it out. That's the idea of labor and striving according to his working. It's the power of God which works in me mightily like dynamite. Now, that's sacrificial service, isn't it? And Paul says, I have sufferings. And you know what? I'm rejoicing in them because I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's body. Now, Christ did all the work on the cross. He says, what? It is finished. And now he says there's something that's lacking in the afflictions of Christ. He did all that he needed to do. But he's the head and the body still has to go through the sufferings, the afflictions. And he said, I go through that to fill up. And each one of us is filling up those afflictions, sufferings, whatever that may be, um, for the sake of the body, which is the church. So everybody has their part. Yeah, Bob. I wanted to inject one scripture in with that. Something I've been looking at here. First Corinthians twelve twenty six. The gift chapter. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Hmm. Uh, since you were talking about the suffering, filling up the suffering, and of course there's a, quite a description he gives earlier on that about one body with many members and, and all this. That that one there kind of stuck out. Somebody's we're going connected. through an ordeal. We're connected, and you know, it just it, 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 verses like that always help me to remember to think about other people. You know, instead of just. You know what? That's what that's what's really good about it because it starts taking our own mind off ourselves. That is the worst place to be. The moment you start thinking about yourself and woe is me is where you are going to have woes. But if you're thinking about others and you are serving in that, you say, Boy, you know what? You start forgetting about yourself. And all of a sudden, you're getting into doing something for somebody who really needs it, that's suffering, and all of a sudden, those little woes that you had don't amount to anything. Matter of fact, they're gone. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? It's amazing. Yeah, there's that you know analogy that different preachers use about how you know if they stub a toe, the whole body reacts to that and goes to help that toe. <laughs> you know. But yeah, your hands go down there and yeah, grab it. Everything's affected by it. it sure know, is. At that moment. Every nerve in the body. <laughs> yeah. And you have to tell everybody, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, the, the tongue starts out. <laughs> yeah, the tongue's got to help out, too. <laughs> you, know, ah! so, you know, everything's working there. Isn't this a great analogy, the body deal? Yeah.
connection? I think. Yeah, that's that's a good passage there. What's that? Oh, yeah. Didn't see, right? That's why we wear glasses. Then we say, well, then we'll blame it on the glasses because they don't work anymore very yeah, good. Blame it on the optometrist. Yeah, it must have been the guy that gave me the wrong glasses. <laughs> Would you say that Paul had an authentic life that spoke the gospel? His life spoke. His mouth spoke. Speaking the truth or truthing in love. He backed it up, didn't he? If you subtract from love, let's say, oh, let's say from, um, if you have knowledge, but you don't have love with it, what do you have? Really nothing. Uh, let's say if you have sanctification, and it just seem like you're really growing in Christ, but you don't have love, what are you going to have? Self-righteousness. You're being sanctified. You think you're being sanctified. But if there's not love for the other people, it's going to be turning into self-righteousness. If you take away love from truth, you can have orthodoxy, but it's going to be bitter orthodoxy. Basically, without the love, all you got is Christ. Mm-hmm. And all of those, and all of those. If you have knowledge, you're probably your knowledge. That, that, if you think you're being sanctified, you're proud of that. And you lift love, yourself over the uh, other yeah. people, then, right? Yeah. So love, basically, you have a problem with pride. Yeah, I think. Uh, yep, I think Paul said something like that in First uh, Corinthians eight. He says, hey, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks that he knows anything, I'm like this. If you think you know anything, he knows nothing. <laughs> Yet, as he ought to know. But if, anyway, if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. One reason, the reason we, we love God is because he loved us first. The reason we know God is because he knows us first. And uh, so, but the only way you're going to know Him is through knowledge. But it's then having that balance of, of the love that's put in us. So, constantly need to be reminded that what what He now does with that truthing and love takes it and He shows how if the church operates that way, they can grow up in all things into Him Who's the head? Christ. All aspects. All aspects. Um, you could call this a comprehensive Christ-likeness. Everybody being like Christ. I think Christian means, I've heard it been defined as little Christs. Now, be careful with that, because we've heard the little gods theology. You know, we're all little gods, but I'm saying... We are to be Christian is to be like Christ, and if Christ is in us, that that be true. We we are Christians, um, but we want to be more and more like Him. So what we do is we uh, go to see what Paul has to say in First Corinthians chapter eleven. Hanging out in Corinthians a lot lately. You know what Paul says here? He is so bold. 
imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's a tough order there, Paul. Uh, Paul, that's for you. That's for the leaders. But it surely can't be for everybody. Or I've heard people say, I've heard Christians say, well, you know, I don't want to be like that. What they're saying is, I don't want to be like you. And when they're saying they don't want to be like you, it's not that, you know, we, we all are gifted differently. And of course, we're not going to be like each other in that sense. But in another sense, we should be resembling each other. Even though we're not going to look the same, we all have different parts in the body, but what they're saying is, I don't really want to be doing all of those things. I've got other things to do. I don't want to spend my time, all of my time, uh, thinking about God. You know what I'm saying? And I've heard this from many people, a lot of people, that call themselves Christians. Well, if that's the way it is, I don't want it. What they're saying is, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to go that far. You're going too far. You're going too far with this. But yet Paul says, imitate me, and which is really to imitate Christ. And then he says, now I praise you, Brett. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are we talking about Corinthians here? Is he writing to the Corinthians? He's praising them. <laughs> now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. And keep the traditions, just as I delivered them to you. The, the truth, the uh, coming from that body of truth. That's the idea of traditions there. Uh, all things. Remember me in all things. All the things that I taught you, that was from God's truth. You remember those things. You imitate. You walk the way that I walk. You talk the way that I talk. Um, when we raise children, we want them to believe what we believe. If we believe it to be right. If we're doing something wrong, then we don't want them to do it that way. Why would we want to do something wrong? <laughs> right? Yeah, Bill. But in, now, I'm, am I assuming that we are in the passage that is 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2? Yeah. Okay. Because if you go in there with the context and you read the last part of chapter 10, it's all about relationship. You know, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Ah, So that's where the bar gets placed before he says, imitate me. He sets, he puts the standard up there, doesn't he? Good way to put it. He put the bar up there. That's incredible. So he has to fall under that too, doesn't he? That's why people don't want to do it. Why is that? Because they don't want to be un- not offensive. I mean, you know, when you when you people don't want to eat or drink or whatever they do, do it all to the glory of God, because their 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 flesh doesn't want them to do that, or our flesh doesn't want us to do that. You know what? I have had somebody recently tell me that that has been been involved in Christian stuff for many years. And he says, where does it say that we have to be given glory to God? Well, I think it's all throughout the Bible, but this is definitely one of them right there, isn't it? 
whether you eat or drink, <laughs> wow. or this right here where it just says it. What verse was that? that uh, uh, it was just uh, the end of 10. Yeah, you know, um, uh, 31. 31 10, Whatever 31. you do, do all to the glory of God. Yeah. And it just astounded me. It, it took me aback. I'm going, what? Are you are you really truthful about that? He says, that seems really unfair. It, it seems like everything is supposed to be about God. Going, yeah, it is. It's hard enough trying to without rebelling against it. I mean, without consciously rebelling against it. I mean, we subconsciously rebel against it every day. But yeah, but you know, if you just if you don't have that love that you're talking about here. God would seem like a cosmic superstar that wants everybody to look at him. And I can't have any of it. I can't say I did a good job. I got to say, I did it for God. You know, if you don't have that love, it, it looks like... He's just trying to make everybody be, you know, wow, look at me. Yeah, well, that's... I honestly remember thinking that. It's been a long time ago, thank God. But I remember thinking, well, wow. (laughs) What does he think he does anyway? Well, it's everything. Yeah. Everything's all about God. (laughs) He's kind of, you know, pompous. <coughs> right, but you can see then that you know, if you don't have, if if it's not about love, well, then it's about self, isn't it? Yeah, it's all back to that pride stuff. And what does Christ say? Die, die, so daily. Even giving glory to God is for us. That's where the good part comes in. Now, all of a sudden, it is for us. <coughs> But if we turn it around and we start with us first and then put God, now we've got it backwards, don't right. we? Right. And then you get all that bitter and you get, yeah, wow. God has just put right here in His Word, just clear as a bell. I don't know why they ever said clear as a bell, but anyway. Second Corinthians 3.18. Uh, just, just to throw in verse. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. We're looking at His glory. Oh, how awesome. Why would I want to look at anything else or focus on anything else when the glory of the Lord, which exceeds anything else, why would I want to put myself onto something that is less than that, right? We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Just by looking mm. at him. Just by looking at him, we're getting we're going there. Huh. When we're we're looking at the Even word tonight. Is all for us. <laughs> yes, it is. What what we're looking at tonight is looking at him. The beauty of Christ. We're looking at his glory, aren't we? His word. And as we do that, we're being transformed this moment. If we're really thinking on Him and let His Spirit in, we are being transformed right now, this moment. Not from anything I say, but from the very power of the Word of God. Uh, he's here. <laughs> he wants us to know Him better and uh, be, uh, be continually being transformed constantly. I like that verse. Uh, Galatians 4.19 
That's the next book over. Here's Paul again. As you're going there, I have a question. Is it First Corinthians 2 or 3 or 4 where it says for the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing? Yeah, chapter 2. Chapter 2. Yep. I mean, because as you or look at all one. this and about us trying to glorify God in everything that we do, yeah. that is so foreign to anybody who is, because it goes back to that we're fools is the way that the world thinks. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Good way to think of it. That's exactly the way that uh, Paul wanted them to see see themselves. Hmm. Okay, I'm sorry. Galatians? Um, yeah, that tied right into it. 419. My little children, like he's like a father, right? For whom I labor in birth. Oh, I have been told. He's more like a mother here. Yeah, that could be. I believe you're right. Yeah, yeah. I take that one back. Uh, wait, NIV. Hold on. Oh, no. <laughs> I have been told the worst pain that anybody can ever go through. I don't know. I've never been there. But it's this right here: laboring in birth. There's there's a reason there is that word labor. I'm never going to know. We can tell you how horrible it is. I won't identify. Unless you have a what? Oh, it's pretty close, huh? Have you had one of those? No, but my husband. Okay. I know a lady that had had a kidney stone, and she'd give birth, and she said the kidney stone was worse than her. Wow. Oh, this is. Uh, Speaking volumes, then, isn't it? <laughs> Paul says that's what he did for him until Christ is formed in you. Uh, look at the, O oh, ye foolish Galatians, look at the next verse. I would like to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I have doubts about you. Oh, man, that's sad. That he had to have doubts about him. Well, they'd gone back into legalism and hadn't uh, lived out that grace kind of life. Well, wouldn't that be the pit to have to be in childbirth until Christ is formed in anybody? That's why he prayed. He prayed for them constantly that they would be formed. Perfection, completion, teleos. So there is a sense of being mature now. It's not just in the way up in the future. There is the sense that Paul is saying we are to be mature now, but ultimately we know where it's really leading to, where there will be the perfection, where we Christ will have brought us into being that perfect bride, the, the whole body. You know, um, Nobody's perfect. But yet there's the maturity sense that we've talked about so much. So we are to strive for that. Oh, one more like this. First uh, Peter two twenty one. Two twenty one. Two twenty one. Two twenty one, not two one. <laughs> you know, I have two one there, but it's two twenty one. Because if you look at verse one, you'll go, "How does that work? That doesn't fit." That's what I did last night. I'm glad I looked at that one. For to this, you were called what? Why? Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. 
that you should follow His steps. But I can't. He's God. I'm man. I can't be like Christ. How can I ever be like Him? You mean Peter and Paul agree here? Peter's saying the same thing as Paul. <laughs> Very good. You caught that. I think they went on a fishing trip together. <laughs> They're saying the same thing. Example. Following the steps, right? And he uses the greatest motiva- motivation is what? The cross. The cross or whenever he's going to come back for us or we get to be with him, whatever, you know. Those two elements are something that should always key us on. Look what he did for us. Look what he did for us. He's doing for us now. Look what he's going to do for us. Whoa. That should motivate us. You know, coaches are good motivators. Well, I think Peter right here was a good motivator. Paul was a great motivator. They showed that it's worth it all. And he says, but right now, hey, we have an example. It's Christ. You follow His steps. Wow. And so that means to be Christ-like. Grow up in all things. Now, what we're going to do is try to finish this section here and see how this comes together. Not to rush it, but it just falls right into place. Now, we've been talking about speaking truth and love, that we grow up in all things unto Him who is the head, Christ. We are to be growing up, right? That's what we've been talking about, just all these verses, looking at that, growing up in all aspects, all things. Um, The head. Chapter 1, verse 22, Paul introduced that thought to the Ephesians. He says, He put all things under His feet, gave Him to be head over all things to the church, which is His body. Good analogy. The fullness. Look at this. This church is so connected to Christ. Did you see what it said about us? The fullness of Him. He doesn't need us. But yet in what He has done in this teaching here, He shows that we're the fullness of Him who fills all in all. That church is an incredible body, an incredible building. It's God's work. Do you just stand back in amazement and see what God is doing with this church? His body, His called out ones, His elect ones? Boy, in Ephesians, you, you can't miss it, can you? Look in Colossians 1.18. He talks about the head again. He is the head. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things... He had the preeminence. He's the head. He is the one who is supreme. The supremacy of Christ. He's the head. Christ is the the head. He's the source of all life. The whole system is connected to the brain. You take the brain off, you cut that head off, everything else is dead. That's it. It's done. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. That's what life is. Christ is my head. I get everything from Him. Now, it says the body fitted together. Verse 16, From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Let's look at this knit together. We are brought together. We are held together. We're closely knit. We're compacted together. 
we're close and tight and compacted. That's the idea of being fitted together. From whom the whole body joined and knit together. Uh, I'm trying to get this, this picture that we're so closely compacted and connected together that you wouldn't believe how close we are. Uh, the joint is a connecting link, right? Um, that's where the supplies of life and energy pass to every part of the body. Well, the joint doesn't supply, though, does it? Uh, it's a channel. But the joint is not the supplier. It's the joining together or the union where the spiritual supply that's, that's coming from the head, the resources, uh, think of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that are given to each one, and they pass, as you use your gift on another Christian, they pass from one member to another member to another member to another member as you, as you work together. And, and as we're in here, you know, we've got a pretty good little group here today. And it's like, um, I need every one of you. You know, God never uh, brought anybody here by accident. When you believe in the providence of God and sovereignty of God, it is not accident that you're sitting here tonight that you know each other because we need each other. There's certain things that you have that I need and from, from every one of you. God has this flow coming, and He's the brain in this. You can say, well, how does this work together? It was just accident. We, you know, we just bumped into each other somehow. God knew when each one of us would need each other for certain things. That's how that he's controlling this. He's the brain. So the flow of ministry, he has already in mind, he's the one producing this growth, and he, it's like a sap in the tree. You know, it comes out there and goes all to the branches, and then you have the leaves and everything. Uh, the power of the cho- church is flowing from the Lord himself. And it flows from one to the other, and they have a communication. Individual believers. It's relationships between believers. It's not natural. A lot of people don't like to get together with other people. Very few people like to really get around crowds. People don't feel comfortable around crowds at church. People don't feel com- they don't want to give themselves up. They don't want to let. They don't want to get too close to somebody and let the guard down because they've been let down before by others. Yeah, it's going to happen again. It's going to happen again and again. And Paul said he kept sacrificing himself because you don't own yourself. You are owned by God. He's flowing everything into you, and you are to give that up to another. And uh, boy, this is incredible. Uh, Paul, man, this is this is this is unbelievable. He, he's saying that I'm I'm to give myself up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is real. Uh, we're just not making this up here tonight. When you look at this, it says, "From whom the whole body, the whole body of Christ, is joined and knit together by whatever joint supplies." He's going to take our communication. It's it's like a bands of communication. Um. By the way, the the word supply there, supplies is abundant in, in the Greek there. It's super abundant. It's not just sufficient. It's more than sufficient. The supplies are all we'll, we'll ever need. Paul uses that kind of language a lot, right? In Ephesians we've seen that. And then he says working, according to the effect of working. Like our salvation is effectual, right? That means God is the one who worked it out. It is effective. It's effectual. It will happen. It does happen because God does it. 
Well, uh, in this abundance and in this working, this effectual working means an operative energy. It's an energy that works. He's producing it from the brain to make it go through the joints to get the communication to each cell, to everyone that's there. The ban- it passes through bands of communication. This is why church and meeting together is almost at the top of the line for people who are Christians. Because can you imagine if there was no such thing as, as, as church where you meet or a congregational or uh, meetings? If you just, everyone did their own little thing and they never ran into other ones, they just did what they did or do and not meet together? Can you imagine that? Well, it couldn't happen. You couldn't have a church that way. God is designed for uh, for this. We see it from the very outset. But every part, every amount of energy is given to every part according to the measure of that capacity, of that particular member, that particular cell. They have everything they need. They've been supplied. More than supplied. More than abundant. Each one of you, whatever your capacity is, God can more than fill it up. He'll overflow it. That's the idea of supplies there. Which every part does its share. The only problem is, from what I understand, we're doing good to have 10% of the body working and the rest of them are not doing anything. And that is um, reflective, I think, of what the church is is today. Um, You have just a few people that are involved in the body of Christ. Can you imagine the whole body working as it should be, each part doing its thing? The church would be making such an impact. Believe me, God's doing what He's going to do. Believe me. We're not a failure. We're not. And we are working. And that's what this is saying here. According to the effect of working by which every part does its share, it causes growth. When you're doing your share and pulling your weight, you're going to cause growth in another person or another person or another person around over here. When somebody is hurting and you go to them, you give them a word of encouragement, you give them something physically that they need, whatever, you give them a scripture at that time. You know what? That causes growth. And so this is not a, um, what is it, a Lone Ranger deal? Boy, far from it, is it? Here, working together. Every part, the amount of energy is given to every part according to the measure of its capacity. We should function as the head does. Here's the way Martin Lloyd-Jones summed this verse up in this whole section. We are fitly joined together, compacted, and held together, and energized through bands of supply, that's our communication, by an abundant supply that comes to us from Him. Imagine His power that He's working in us. Now Paul had said that was what was happening. When you have a proper working of each part, you can see how important it is when Bob uh, read from 1 Corinthians 12 earlier, which talks about the gifts in a more uh, explicit way, uh, uh, at, at more length. There is an important issue for each believer to get that going for other people. We're missing you if you're not doing it, whatever that is. We need, we need you, right, we're in, the, in the body of Christ. We're, we're talking not just local body. We're talking really the whole body of Christ. When people have close relationships of true ministry, God's working. 
when two people are talking about Christ, God's working there. They're being built up. We are to be close. We are to be intimate. We are to be holding tightly to fellowship with Christ. Now, what are the resident dynamics? This is the last part I have on here when we're getting ready to finish this section. You know what? Not bad. It's 8 o'clock. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body. Which every part does its share causes growth of the body. The entire body of Christ. For the edifying of itself in love. Resident dynamics is this. Go to Colossians 2.19. Boy, what an invention God did with this church. What an establishment. There's nothing like it, is there? They're checking this out, aren't they? You think they're kind of amazed? It starts out in a negative way. Um, but we'll see what the positive is. And not holding fast to the head. That means they were doing that. They weren't holding fast to the head. Uh, but we're to hold fast to the head, okay? From whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, sounds like Ephesians, right, in this body analogy, grows with the increase that is from God. Do you know what's happening in this? The growth. The body produces its own growth. I don't know, does that work out in a physical body? Eat too much. (laughs) We're growing this way, right? I have a problem with that. Absolutely. Seen it in action. That's true. A young person growing taller. If you eat the right food, if you don't eat the right food, you're malnourished. You know, the body does grow itself. It's growing right in there. We're doing that. But we know where we're getting it from. We're getting it from the source. huh? If it's properly right. nourished. And it has to be properly nourished, doesn't it? Yeah. Or else it's going to be inefficient or it doesn't get that, uh, that communication. That makes me think of the cell-to-cell communication that they have. If they don't have that communication that, or it's broken down, now it's not going to, the body doesn't function as well and all of a sudden you get autoimmune diseases and other things and because the communication is lacking. If you don't if you're at war with somebody out there and you don't have your communication uh of telling them here's what we're going to do, you you can't get through to them with the walkie talkies or whatever they use, um now they're in trouble, right? They have to be able to get that communication. That's what he's talking about here. The body produces its own growth with inside. So it is with the church. As we look in Ephesians, as we've just seen in Colossians, the working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body. If we're all doing that, we're causing others to grow. Uh, All this is all in love. Truthing in love, which is to be the spirit of the whole fellowship of believers. Above all things, what is the church to be manifesting? Love. Because we have the truth, then we can love. John thirteen thirty four and 35. Jesus said this. This is extra credit, right? Because it's not on the sheet. Uh, yeah, it's something I added. 
Y'all are moving up to that A grade. You right. to go there early. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you already know this. A new commandment I give to you. To love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Wow. How can you love one another if you're not being around one another, right? That is why we continue to say, keep meeting with the rest of the body of Christ because that's how you're going to grow and that's how others are going to grow. I need you. Please be in the body like you should be. You're already in the body, but let the rest of the body be blessed by it too, right? So, um, Paul has made one sweeping statement from verse 1 through 16 on how the church... Uh, is to work. When you look at your sheet, God's purpose for the church, besides giving glory to God, is that we're to attain the unity. We're to be Christ-like. We're to be mature. We're to have sound doctrine. And we are to grow in truth. If we do that, then the truth then is united with love and we're able to grow up in all aspects. So, and you know something? As far as the body is concerned, you have a nervous system, and the nervous system is what links the whole body together. You have a vascular system, the blood system, and that combines everything together also. See how the system works in the body? There is not just an accident whenever you look at the physical body and then you compare that with what God has done with the spiritual body of Christ. We can't see all this working, but I'll tell you what, it's an amazing thing, this church. Let's pray.